Meaningful Minutes, a podcast provided by Beautiful Outcome, where we are passionate about the adventure of creating lives of meaning. I'm your host, Julia Woods, and today I'm going to share with you five lessons I'm learning in becoming as a mother that are making a huge difference for me and my kids. Some of these lessons are fresher in my 25 years of being a mother, and yet even as I apply them now with my adult kids, they're reaping reaping big rewards. The good news is it's never too late to learn new things and experience the benefits that applying them can produce. So if you're listening today and you're a grandmother with adult children or a mother to teens or toddlers, would you be willing to be here now? and leave any mistakes you think you may have made with your kids or regrets of what you have or haven't done and the things you wish you could do again. Would you leave those in the past? I invite you to be here now and consider that knowledge comes to us when we are ready to receive it. So I invite you to listen today from a place of learning and growing rather than from a place of proving and protecting. In case those are new terms to you, Let me explain. We're either listening for the purpose of learning and growing or the purpose of proving and protecting. When I'm learning and growing, I'm curious, wondering, hoping, and looking for how I can apply what I'm hearing to my life right now. When I'm proving and protecting, I'm working to make myself right about what I've already decided is true. For me, that includes things like what I'm hearing, that's not going to work for me, or I'm bad, broken, or wrong for not already knowing this, or I don't have what it takes to apply what I'm hearing. Maybe learning and growing and proving protecting looks different for you, but I would invite you to get to know what they do look like and feel like for you because you are choosing between them each moment of every day. With that in mind, let's jump into the five lessons. For me, wanting to do everything right as a mom has been a big temptation for me through the years. I became a mother at 25 years old, which happens to be 25 years ago. First, we had our daughter, Jalen, then our son, Josiah, three years later, then Josie, our daughter, followed three years after that, and then our last daughter, Genevieve Sophia, was born. You guessed it, three years after that. I like order, can you tell? Becoming a mom triggered a lot of my childhood wounds. And while my parents made the best choice they saw available to them according to how life occurred to them, they've both admitted that their parenting of my siblings and I included physical, mental, and emotional abuse. When our first daughter was put into my arms, A love I had never known overflowed from my heart, and it all, and with it, came a deep fear of inadequacy as a mother. All I knew is I wanted to do everything I could to protect her from the pain I had walked through in my life. And as she laid in my arms with all of her beautiful features, her ten tiny toes and fingers, she seemed perfect to me. I decided my job was to keep her that way by being the perfect mother. That brings me to the first lesson I'm so grateful I'm learning, which is children are born with a dark wolf and a white wolf. If you aren't familiar with those terms, 
It comes from the Cherokee parable that reads, An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside of me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it's between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of you and inside of every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. Our daughter Jalen was the happiest and sweetest baby. And 25 years later, she is even happier and sweeter as an adult. But when she was a baby and she began to defy my husband and I's instructions, I thought my world was coming to an end. How could my sweet baby have rebellion in her? I wanted her to stay perfect. I thought something must be wrong. I proceeded to do everything I could to try and get these this evil, these evil things like rebellion and jealousy out of her. About 16 years after she was born, I would start coming to grips with the evil in me. I began understanding that I wasn't bad, broken, or wrong for having anger, envy, or inferiority inside of me, but rather I was human. And as the parable says, I have the option to begin learning how to feed my white wolf. The more I learned how to do that in my life, the more I was able to pass that understanding on to my children. It radically changed my parenting as I no longer wanted to get rid of the evil in my kids, but I wanted to embrace it and help them get to know it and learn how to have control over it. The biggest difference this lesson is making for me is in how my kids want to share their hearts with me. When I resisted the evil in them, They didn't want to tell me about things they felt shameful about because they knew they would only get more shame from me. And once I shifted, they felt a new safety to share their shortcomings, doubts, and fears. Being in the good, the bad, and the ugly with my kids warms my heart more than anything. I grace them and they grace me, and we are humans in life together. This embrace of our dark wolf or the villain within us was matched on the other side with us learning to grow the white wolf or the hero within us. That brings me to lesson number two, which is kids hearing their heart is their greatest asset. As I started embracing my whole self, I began learning more and more about how the guidance I needed for my life could be found in my heart. As I was willing to ask my heart questions that I didn't think I knew the answer to, I began finding possibilities I never knew existed. Now, there are many different thoughts on what the voice of our heart is. Some call it our intuition. Others say it's our knower. But for me personally, I believe it's the communication center that God put in each of us so that he could lead and guide us. 
It is a still small voice within us that takes intentionality and willingness to quietly listen to hear what it's saying. I have found its words to be so powerful. For many years as a mother, I thought my job was to tell my kids what they needed to do and who they needed to be. That didn't work so well when they began becoming teenagers. As I started learning to listen to my own heart, I started inviting them to listen to theirs. I was amazed at what they would hear and the powerful application it had to whatever they were walking through in their lives. I started inviting my kids to hear their heart when our youngest was seven years old. Since then, I've been working with kids as young as five years old, and each time I'm blown away by the answers they came come up with while listening to their hearts. When they're upset or concerned about something, I simply ask them if they would be willing to see what their heart says. If they say yes, I say, okay, I'm going to ask you questions, and I'm going to ask you to listen for the answers from down in here, and then I put my hand on their chest. I let them know that it could be a feeling, a memory, a word, or something they see. I ask them to share whatever they experience. Then I ask them questions like, what does your heart say you need to do about your friend that's mad at you? Or what does your heart tell you about your dog that just died? I believe our ability to hear our heart is the most important thing we can learn in this life. My experience is it always leads us to feed our white wolf. And watching my kids learn to hear it and follow it makes parenting so much easier. When we feed our white wolf, it has a ripple effect. When I feel the love inside of me, the love, that love spreads to those around me. Which brings me to lesson number three. Teach your children to be a blessing to themselves and others. I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan, and I love the way he expresses this. He says, don't let your kids do anything that makes you not like them. When the, import, when the idea of implementing this rule within our parenting came across our path, it was a pretty stressful time in parenting for me. Our oldest was seven, and our youngest was nearing two at the time. Our business was very busy, and I was pretty overwhelmed in life at that time. I was deep in uncertainty as a mom. Jeff and I's upbringings were as different as night and day. Mine very strict, his very lenient. I knew that some of my parents' ways of controlling had been abusive, and it seemed to me that Jeff's parents had been much less had much less influence in his life than I wanted to have in our kids' lives. Yet I couldn't seem to figure out which things to discipline for and which things were just kids being kids and that they would gradually grow out of those things. With three kids at the time, I felt like I said no all day long to them. I felt like I was the spoiler of fun and dad got to be the giver of fun. I didn't like how that felt. And at the same time, I was afraid because it seemed like there must be some perfect recipe that I didn't have to what things needed to be disciplined for and which ones didn't. I feared that if I unknowingly didn't discipline for the correct things, 
that my kids were going to turn out bad and it was going to be all my fault. When the idea of disciplining for the things that tempted me to not like them, that changed everything. All of a sudden, it felt felt like I'd received the recipe. At that time, our youngest had a keen ability to make dinners miserable. After a long day, we all sat down to eat together and connect, and for some reason, she decided that was the best time to start being really irritable. It seemed no matter how hard we tried to figure out what she wanted, inevitably, she she just wanted to be upset. She would cry and whine and kick at her high chair. It was definitely not a blessing to anyone at the table. So I began to let her know that dinners was a time for our family to connect. If she wanted to be a part of connecting, she was more than welcome. If she didn't and instead preferred to be upset, that was not a problem. She would just need to do that in her room while the rest of us ate dinner and connected without her. The first time I put her in her crib, Because she was choosing to remain upset, she cried most of the way through dinner. However, Jeff and I and the older two kids were able to enjoy talking about our day. I would occasionally go up to Josie's room and invite her to be happy so that she could join us us for dinner. Yet, she continued to choose her upset. The second night started out much like the night before. While she was still happy, I shared with everyone a reminder that dinner is a very special time where we eat and connect as a family. Within a few minutes, Josie was back to her complaining. I reminded her again that we really wanted to enjoy dinner with her as long as she was able to be kind and use her words to explain what she wanted and needed rather than all the tears and the anger. She again chose to be upset and so up to her crib she went. This time, she stopped crying about halfway through through dinner. I went up and asked her if she wanted to join us with a good attitude. She said yes, and we all enjoyed the rest of the meal together. The following night, the same thing incurred, except this time, when she started to fuss, I got up to take her out of her high chair, and all of a sudden, she found the self-control to shift her attitude. She said she wanted to stay with the family. I reminded her that we would love that as long as she could communicate what she wanted through words rather than throwing a fit. She did, and we all moved on with connecting over dinner. And that became a thing of the past. It was such a blessing to her and to all of us that she learned how to control her upset. That three-day lesson in self-control has continued to be built upon year after year for her. Now at 20 years old, she's such a blessing to people. I get told regularly by people I meet who already know her that she makes a difference for them and their families. I am so grateful that someone shared this extremely valuable idea with me because it was definitely the clarity I needed as a very uncertain mother. In many ways, the story I just, I just told you exposes the fourth rule, which is self-control can be taught from day one. Self-control was a new concept for me in my 20s. While I had self-control, I hadn't really thought of it in that way. I had thought I was just following the rules. But when I began to connect the dots between self-control and what gave me the ability to follow the rules, 
I had wished those two concepts had been connected much earlier for me. So as soon as Jalen, our oldest, was old enough to start exploring, I began applying this with her. Jeff and I decided there were certain things we didn't want to change simply because we had children. Like, we still wanted to travel just as much, and we wanted our house to be decorated the way we wanted it. We didn't want to turn our living room into what looked like a daycare center. Design and aesthetics have always been important to both of us, and so we wanted our space to be a place we enjoyed being in. At that time, we had a glass table in our living room with fragile things on it. So from the moment Jalen began exploring, we started teaching her that these things were mom and dad's pretty things, and they were not toys. We talked to her like she was mature enough to understand exactly what we were saying. When she would want to touch the fragile things, we would get one of her toys and hand it to her and explain that this was the thing that she could touch and play with, but this thing was fragile and it wasn't for playing with. It worked. She was able to learn pretty quickly and would say, pretty, no touch. While that worked, there were plenty of other areas I was very unsure how to teach self-control. By the the time our son Josiah came along, I had been led to two books called Preparation for Parenthood and Preparation for Toddlerhood. While we didn't agree with everything in the books, they were a godsend for teaching us a lot more ways to help our kids grow self-control. It gave me an understanding of a sleep schedule and how to teach our son to put himself to sleep. Now that was a game changer for me. It helped us learn how to teach him sign language, which he was able to pick up far sooner than he was able to speak words. So rather than grunting and making annoying sounds to communicate that he wanted more food or that he was thirsty, he could use his hands to tell us. He also learned how to use manners when he asked for things by signing words like thank you and please. His self-control gave him the ability to sit on a blanket at 18 months old for up to 45 minutes at a time, playing with three toys while we were at a basketball game or adult meetings or just at home while I was getting work done. The small four-foot by four-foot blanket that I laid on the floor became like a playpen with no walls. He gained the self-control to stay on it when asked. This was definitely a blessing to me and him as he learned very important skills of self-control and how to entertain himself for a given period of time. As adult now, I continue to develop self-control within myself and the more I grow it, the richer my life becomes. The self-control to use honesty rather than letting my emotions rule in the moment or the self-control to choose my vision rather than giving into my comfort zone. Self-control is a massive power source, and the sooner we start learning it, the better. One specific area that self-control is helping me develop is my ability to respect myself and others. The more I embrace the villain and the hero within me, the more I grow respect for every human being who is facing the same exact battle within themselves. That brings me to lesson number five, which is how I respect my kids is seen by how they respect me. I grew up being told that respecting my parents was non-negotiable. If I was going to live under their roof, I was going to respect them. 
It freaked me out when I started hearing the same sentence come out of my mouth towards my children. What has been interesting to me in the 25 years I've been becoming the mother I want to become is that the years I demanded respect from my kids seemed like they were we were fighting an uphill battle and that the year yet the years I've been choosing to respect my kids we didn't need to talk much about respect at all because they just offered it. It seemed like the more I respected them, the more they mirrored it back to me. While I've always loved and admired my kids, the difference of me me came in my desire to hear their voice. The first half of my parenting years thus far was spent communicating that they listened to what I had to say. The second half has focused on me asking them to help me hear what they want to say. The first focus brought about many battles over disrespecting me in their tone, in the tone that they used, their lack of follow through, their intense expressions of emotions. But with the second focus, we are having real and honest conversations about what they're thinking and feeling and what Jeff and I are thinking and feeling. As they're able to see that we value their opinion, and what they feel their hearts leading them to, they have a greater ability to follow with the flow with the boundaries we're setting. When I look back to the years where respect was a much bigger issue, I would get really upset with my kids raising their voice at me or walking away from me when I was still talking to them. Yet the reality was, it wasn't uncommon for me to raise my voice at them or walk walk away out of frustration. They were treating me the way I was treating them. I was shocked at the permission I gave myself to disrespect them as human beings, and yet I wasn't willing to tolerate them doing that to me. Now conversations about broken commitments or things they are doing that aren't working for us are typically done in the context of sitting down together, looking each other in the eyes, asking lots of questions, and making clear requests. In the midst of connecting this way, our respect for each other grows and disrespect is much less of an issue. The beauty of the unique gifts that each of my children are astounds me. The honor of getting to be their mother is priceless. In these 25 years, I'm so grateful for the lessons I'm learning and cannot wait for the lessons I will continue to learn. As a recap, here are the five lessons I've shared today. One, children are born with a dark wolf and a white wolf. Two, kids hear their heart. Kids hearing their heart is their greatest asset. Three, teaching your children to be a blessing to themselves and others. Four, self-control can be taught from day one. And five, how I respect my kids is seen in how they respect me. Each of these lessons are a part of my becoming the mother I'm committed to be. Being a mother is something that chooses us the moment we have a baby. Our willingness to humbly step into becoming the mother we're committed to be is what we get to choose. The lessons we will learn along the way as we offer ourselves to mothering our children, 
is the potter's hand on the clay of our lives. Raising our kids well will transform us if we allow it to. For all of you mothers listening, I want to thank you for the becoming you are choosing as you walk with the amazing little people in your life and help them thrive in this world. Would you take a minute and write down the lessons you are learning in your becoming as a mother and then follow that up with what new development you are committed to in order to continue in your journey of becoming? I want to leave you with a reminder that it's never too late to go again. And no matter how you show up right, no matter how you showed up right before this, the moments that follow this are waiting for you to show up in whatever new way you want to. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and then share this podcast with a friend. For more resources or to contact me, please go to my website, beautifuloutcome.com. I look forward to connecting with you again soon.